Welcome to the Global Franchise Podcast, bringing you exclusive interviews with the franchise industry's leading names. I'm Kieran McLoon, Deputy Editor for Global Franchise Magazine. This episode of the Global Franchise Podcast is brought to you by Expense Reduction Analysts, delivering cost optimization solutions to help international business survive and thrive. For more information, visit expensereduction.com. It's impossible to talk about the world of big box gyms and not think of Crunch Fitness, one of the biggest players in this comprehensive exercising space and a true contender when it comes to the world of workout franchises. Franchising since 2010, Crunch Fitness has since grown to over 335 locations worldwide, with new sites appearing in the likes of Canada, Spain and Australia seemingly every week. At the forefront of all this is Ben Migley, CEO and founding partner of Crunch Franchise, and something of an industry veteran when it comes to big box franchising. On this episode of the podcast, we talk with Ben about why relationships are the real strength of the Crunch brand, the concept's pioneering 40-page readiness plan, and how soccer icon Cristiano Ronaldo helped to bring Crunch to Madrid. Hiya, Ben. How are you doing today? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing really well, thank you. And thanks very much for um, taking the time to join us on the podcast. Um, So if we start then, uh, you've previously spoken in the past about, with uh, regards to Crunch Fitness, how um, maintaining franchisees and building those relationships is half of everything when it comes to uh, running a successful business. Could you kind of unpack a little how you enact that within the Crunch Franchise Network? Well, I don't don't know that it's tremendously different than most franchisors that you know take that aspect of the business incredibly seriously i mean it, it requires uh, a tremendous you know focus on uh, listening to the franchisees not just hearing what they have to say but listening and and sometimes as you know relationships grow with franchisees uh, opening yourself up to listening can be the the hardest part because franchisees become very entrenched in certain things they think should be happening franchisors obviously own the brand and manage the brand so they can become entrenched in things that they feel should be happening in a certain way. And you've really got to make sure everybody fully and clearly understand each other and, um, you know, the values in, in what they're, you know, they're putting forth. And then you try to reach a, you know, a very comfortable compromise, bearing in mind that, you know, the parent company does have the final say, but uh, if you don't pay attention to the needs of those who are on the ground and doing the work every day, you're not going to be able to drive the brand to as successful an outcome as you as you would if you um, if you didn't listen to those. So you know, we try to put as much time as we can into that. We try to be as authentic as we possibly can and have genuine relationships with the franchisees. You know, through the good, the bad, and the ugly. Obviously, we have much more good than uh, the latter, but uh, it's it's one thing I think that's gotten us a lot of respect and uh, as challenging as it can be sometimes you know that that's our focus and that that's how we plan to stick with the with the relationships with our franchisees yeah for sure and it seems like it's a an approach that's really working for you guys because of course since the brand was first founded you've now sold over is it 1300 rights to different locations all around the world Um, and I was curious as to where the kind of main concentration of those upcoming sites is currently uh, and whether there's any particular global markets that you think fitness um, is really seeing a booming demand at the minute well I think at you know, the timeliness of this question, right, is uh, currently, you know, not just the fitness industry, but all all businesses are under a bit of pressure, uh, you know, obviously with the uh, with the COVID restrictions, whether it's capacity or full on shutdown. So let's let's assume we're past that mm. uh, in this particular scenario. 
and and we will be obviously as the vaccines come out and everything gets a, a bit back to normal. So in normal circumstances, well, right now we're in uh, we're in 32 states. We're sold into almost all 50 in the U.S. Probably about 42, 43. So we're expanding really, really well uh, nationally. Uh, we're in Australia, Spain, Costa Rica, um, Canada, all over there. Uh, we're going to be in uh, Portugal very soon, likely Italy, uh, different companies, uh, countries in Europe where we're really focusing on. Um, England would be a wonderful place to be. We're focused on that. Uh, Asia, certain areas in Africa, South America for sure. Uh, China, you know, that that's a big market to jump into. So uh, that's a little longer term. Japan, uh, th- those would be the areas that uh, for now we'd like to we'd like, we'd like to get out into. Right. Okay. And is the Crunch Fitness offering going to be the same regardless of in the world where you are, or is it going to be slightly tailored to those individual markets? Yeah, you, I think with all franchises, you have to you have to tailor things slightly, you know, based on what is uh, you know happening in that particular area or what you know what culture you're working with. Uh, one thing we're going to stick to is we always want to be the you know the value based provider that provides the most uh, you know fitness options for uh, the least amount of money, which has been very good for us. Uh, in our current U.S. pricing scheme and, and international, we have several different levels. So you can enter the club for as low as nine ninety five a month, and uh, we go up to about thirty nine ninety five a month in certain markets. But it, with each level you uh, you go up in price, you have increased amenities, whether it's you know group fitness classes or the ride, which is our equivalent of spinning. Uh, it's just a proprietary class programming. Uh, that Crunch has created. We have the Hit Zone, which is your functional training. We have reciprocity, so people can uh, go to any other club they like in the network. We have guest privileges, so if you're a member, you can bring another guest at any time for no extra charge. We have a really nice relax and recover area, and um, obviously there's personal training involved, uh, but that's an extra fee. But depending on what you like to do, depends on the um, you know the the price and the, the level of access that you get so the, the blended average is much higher than 995 it's closer to you know 20 to 23 dollars a month but so um you have a little bit of something for everybody sure but it's a very full service offering for that that kind of price point um on the on the topic of the pandemic of course near the beginning of the pandemic uh, crunch put together this this really comprehensive 40 page readiness plan that um, I know you said was even distributed to certain US states to kind of help put with, put together their own plans with regards to fitness and reopening and shutdowns and things like that um, what were some of the the main top line aspects of that plan and I suppose subsequently what kind of impact would you say it had on you know helping crunch franchisees to maintain maintained throughout the last tricky few months? Well, that was a, you know, that was a long process uh, for that. And when we were developing it, you were working with, you know, bits of information that were coming out um, as the CDC or different uh, government entities made them available. So uh, at first blush, uh, I think we, along with many other companies, tried to have as robust a plan as you possibly could that was also implementable. Some of the challenges that we had in the beginning was if you were trying to get cleaning supplies or certain foggers or different things, you, you couldn't even get them. Or you had to be very, very clever to get them uh, because everyone in the country was trying to get them. So structurally, um, you obviously had to entail you know, how to you know, freeze and unfreeze your memberships, credit members that were potentially billed you know, at or, or during the shutdown accidentally. So you have to make sure all the members are taken care of, first of all, and you have to make that process very easy. 
you had to look at all the different state regulations and international regulations in terms of, you know, health screenings. Do you have to do temperature checks for employees, temperature checks for members? And that, that was one of the more, the more later requirements that came on. Uh, personal protective equipment, cleaning practices, where to source those cleaning materials, uh, check-in procedures, how to social distance within the club, directional signage. And then, um, you know, member communications, we wanted everybody to be, uh, you know, sort of mindful of what their actions uh, were and how they would affect other members in the club. Uh, you have to ask members for a lot of patience. You have to ask them to be kind because a lot of people were frustrated in the beginning, right? They didn't, some didn't want to wear a mask, some did. Uh, some states require it, some states don't. So you have a you have a lot of work to do with your member base and your community to make sure everybody feels comfortable and uh, you know eager to exercise. And I'll, I'll say, you know, throughout all that work, it really gave us uh, you know a good venue to uh, to speak to our members, no matter you know what sort of place they were in, you know, regarding the virus. Some people were you know sort of you know obsessed with it, right, and they're they're rightfully concerned. Others weren't so concerned, depending on how the state was reacting to it. So. Uh, I think we found a nice vein that makes everybody comfortable and it's reasonable and, and it keeps members safe and uh, you know, exercising in a, in a good environment. Yeah, no, it's really great to hear that it's been um, it's been a steady road back to recovery. Um, kind of a big uh, talking point within the fitness industry at the minute, is even with regards to at the minute with coronavirus and opening gyms back up, um, is the whole boutique versus big box or more, I suppose, um, yeah, full service offering debate. Um, and it seems like in the past, your view of that has been that big box sites like Crunch Fitness um, as, you know, because of all the different kinds of things you've mentioned on offer, will have this wide variety of equipment at a fraction of the cost. So they'll naturally be out boutique every time. Um, could you kind of unpack that a little bit? And also, I suppose, do you think that uh, this boutique wave that we've seen in the last, let's say, half decade uh, will eventually fade as a bit of a fad or is it here to stay? Well, I think boutiques are definitely here to stay. I don't know that they'll stay at the same numbers that they have. And uh, in terms of you know, us beating out boutique every time. Uh, let me just clarify. It's, it, you know, we're not going to get every member in every scenario. A lot of what you see in, in the fitness space is uh, folks will tend to migrate towards the closest location to them, you know, whether it's home or work. So there's usually about a six to eight minute drive time that people feel um, is, is the comfortable amount of time to spend getting to and from a facility mm. uh, or if it's, you know, conveniently located near, you know, shopping centers or something else you do on a regular basis several times a week. So partially for the club, it's based on location. Secondarily, it's based on your, your association with the brand, your uh, enthusiasm for what that particular club is offering and the environment and the staff. So, you know, we try to be as robust as we can from the offering standpoint. We try to have as you know well-trained and welcoming staff as we possibly can. So as the consumer is shopping around and, and the health club consumer will generally visit multiple locations before they decide where to go, right? Something that fits what they're looking for as well as their budget. Uh, we want to be sure that based on the experience when they, they interact with the club, whether it's in the club or online, that uh, they have the right experience. And then we end up at the top of the, uh, the choice list for them. So I'd say... If you're going to go around town, you're going to compare a boutique experience to a crunch. I do think we're, we're superior from that standpoint. I think what we offer in the clubs from a value standpoint is certainly better than what uh, some of our similar size competitors offer that are more in the mid-price range. So uh, you know, we, we fare pretty well with that. And we're always going to try and make ourselves more competitive and more compelling to the consumer. 
Right. And uh, something a little bit different. Um, Crunch has this really quite unique claim to fame where back in 2017, uh, you guys op- partnered with um, soccer star Cristiano Ronaldo to launch, uh, what is it, CR7 Fitness by Crunch mm-hmm. um, in, the, in the Spanish market. Um, how did that arrangement come about? And do you, I suppose, off the back of that, perhaps see future um, celebrity partnerships opening new opportunities in new markets? Or was that kind of a one-off thing? In terms of the the co-branding, it, it's likely a one-off, right? Right. Uh, Ronaldo's just huge in Europe. He is he's the largest following, as long as largest following. I'm sorry, on Instagram and Facebook of any professional athlete. And it was our first entrance into Europe, so from that standpoint, it was a little more logical to to put him as the lead brand uh, by Crunch Fitness, and his brand, of course, is CR7, very well known over there, and that's worked out very well. How that relationship came about is we partnered with a group called True Capital Management, which, uh, as I understand, is the largest uh, manager of uh, professional athletes, you know, financial interests in the U.S. And uh, they're a tremendous uh, group to work with, uh, extremely high integrity, great character, you know, very visionary. And uh, they brought the partnership uh, to us through their relationships. And then it took us about a year to maybe a little bit more to work through all the details um, as there's a lot of parties involved in that and then to launch over in Spain. And I actually remember that the, the day we launched one of the clubs over there, I was over there and uh, no one announced that Ronaldo was coming to the club because he's just too big of a draw in, in Madrid. And uh, he came to the club through a back entrance in the mall and then was probably only in the club for about 40 minutes. And by the time we were done, you know, with the press event, and uh, myself and my family left. There must have been five hundred people outside that club that just gathered oh, wow. for word of mouth. You had to have the police, the police, open up the crowd just to get us out. Obviously, we're very unimportant in that process, so they just let us through. But, but they were, uh, they were, you know, just trying to get a glimpse of them. So it was, it was just tremendous energy. And then uh, that was also a fun night because then we went to a, a Real Madrid game when when he was playing there. So it was a great experience but yeah he's a great brand ambassador obviously incredibly fit and very passionate uh and and the you know the team environment that we have with tcm and ronaldo's team is is great yeah so definitely a real proven draw um the the last thing i would speak to you about ben is just uh looking ahead um obviously technology things like wearables and fitness tracking software has become more and more a, a considerable aspect within the fitness industry um, and i was wondering whether that's something that crunch fitness is looking to incorporate moving ahead or whether you think that kind of nailing the the big box gym experience basics is really going to you know take over any kind of gimmicks that you can introduce well i mean we, we've actually launched a partnership with apple recently we announced that a little while back with the apple watch apple's obviously the the premier partner you can possibly have in that space and we're very fortunate that we were you know the first to to launch that with them so we're we're working on expanding that program i can't talk too much about that um apple likes to keep everything buttoned up pretty well until it's ready for a launch so uh we're pretty excited about that and where that can go but and we certainly don't view it as gimmicky um but we don't see that you know wearables are going to you know take people out of out of the club, right? I think they're there to enhance their experience in the club, their ability to monitor their overall fitness in, in many different ways, and stay a little bit more engaged with what they're doing. And in some cases, if someone's using a wearable before they go to a health club, I, I I think we view it as a catalyst to get somebody actually into the club because the more feedback you get on your health and fitness and your daily routine uh, helps you to take the next step. It shows you're being more conscious about it. You're going to probably change your eating habits. If you're you know, looking to get healthier, then you'll look for different ways to have 
you know, fun and, um, you know, consistent activity. And a lot of times that leads you to the health club in terms of what we do in the club. Uh, you know, we have the fundamentals down, uh, I think very well, we have a lot of proprietary programming, which you, you don't see in a lot of our competitors. So that's a big advantage for us. And, uh, you know, of course we're a business, we have uh, revenues and expenses. So we're always looking for ways to, uh, you know, lower our expense line, run more efficiently, build the clubs for less, you know, negotiate better deals with our landlords to be more effective with our online advertising with marketing in general. So it's a constant evolution of the business model itself, but from the fundamental, you know, fitness standpoint, uh, you know, we feel good where we're at. We're always going to innovate. And I do think uh, wearables are going to be in a, a very interesting part of uh, where the clubs go in the future. Well, it'd be very interested to see where that um, partnership with Apple does go. Obviously, as you said, you can't say too much about that in the minute. But um, yeah, exciting times ahead, especially for people who are really engaged with that space. Uh, well, thanks very much for your time today, Ben. It's been really great chatting with you about Crunch. And uh, yeah, really look forward to seeing what the brand's got down the line. Well, thank you, Karen. Always great to talk to you. And thank you for having me. The fact that Crunch Fitness strives to be a value-based offering in the workout market while also managing to deliver a really strong um, full-service facility is probably one of the main reasons why it's managed to maintain this position as a real competitor within the fitness industry. That's on the consumer side at least. I mean, for franchisees, Ben's relationship building attitude might seem commonplace to him, but I'm sure there's a few franchisees that see that as a, a real breath of fresh air during a particularly difficult year. Uh, while it was only a slight teaser at their upcoming plans, it was really interesting to hear about um, Crunch, Crunch's partnership with Apple, especially as wearables become more and more commonplace in the fitness space. Um, Ben's perspective of seeing tech as an addition to rather than a, a replacement of traditional fitness shows that big box gyms are definitely here to stay. It's just the ways that we interact with them might evolve as this decade gets underway. We'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this. Have you experienced an operational overhaul due to technology or has it simply bolstered an already strong foundation? Make sure to let us know. If you like the podcast, subscribe and recommend it to your friends and colleagues. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods. To keep up to date with franchise news and have it put into context by the global franchise experts, subscribe to the magazine, hit us up at globalfranchisemagazine.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn today.